0: The storms of life can be used to activate your faith, but God sure can seem silent when the wind is howling. The book of Habakkuk is about learning to believe that God is good and maintains control even when there is so much evil and tragedy in the world around us. Though this book is often overlooked during times of peace and prosperity, it has tended to be studied when believers need to learn how to talk to God during epic events. We need it always, but in an urgent and desperate way right now. Dana Gresh and her pastor Jonathan Weibel discuss what led to a Bible study being printed and at the ready for women to use the book of Habakkuk during a global pandemic. Explore the six habits of the faithful practiced during times of what seems like God's silence.
1: Well, I think it goes without saying that we are in the middle of a storm. For those of us who are alive right now, there has not been a time in history as difficult as the storm we're in right now. And all of us are in it, but not all of us are in the same boat in the storm. Some of us are in the middle of the storm. Some of us have capsized boats. Some of us are in little inlets where our boat is anchored and tied and shielded a bit from the storm. Today, I'm joined by a dear friend, my pastor, Jonathan Weibel, as we talk about what God's Word tells us about how to weather that storm, and specifically how to walk by faith when it's easier to be fearful, and especially how to hear God when he seems kind of silent. My pastor is a church planter for the Christian and Missionary Alliance. He leads the team at Center Church. He is a worship leader with several albums under his belt. And he is a great shepherd to our congregation. Welcome, Jonathan.
2: Thanks so much, Dana. You're a great sheep to be (laughs) shepherded by me.
1: I try. I try to follow the shepherd. (laughs) Hey, um, Jonathan, you know, we've been hearing stories at church from some of our dear friends We're not all in the same boat in this storm. I have a friend, she's your friend too, Layla Zengel. Yeah, I love Layla. Her her boat is really complicated because her daughter, Julie, has been diagnosed with a very rare form of leukemia and is fighting cancer. So they're looking at sheltering in place for months. They've already had to do that before. They sheltered in place for 10 months. And as I emerged after 10 weeks, she said, oh, you're an amateur. Ten weeks is nothing. She's probably yeah. looking at at least a year of sheltering in place. Right, right. What stories are you hearing?
2: Well, we have a, a farmer. Um, he's a dairy farmer in the place where we have one of our campuses. And it's probably a medium-sized dairy farm, but they're not able to sell a lot of their milk right now because of complications from COVID and everything. And so they're literally pouring out thousands of gallons of milk, which is really sad.
1: It's very sad because not only does that affect the income of his family and the families that work for him, but there are lots of people right now who can't afford food. They can't afford milk and they could be drinking that milk, but government regulations don't allow for them to pass it on because it can't be processed correctly and safely.
2: I know they say don't cry over spilt milk, <laughs> but if you're going to cry, <laughs> yeah. cry over yes. thousands of gallons yes, of spilt exactly. milk because right. that's that's a shame.
1: Uh, we have a dear friend, Mark Horn. Um, his father died of COVID-19. He was in a nursing home in the Philadelphia area. The boat he's in is full of grief, and on top of that grief, he's obviously not able to attend a funeral for his father.
2: Wow. Along the um, same lines, Dana, my wife's mother, um, who's 83, I think, she's in a memory care unit in Fort Wayne, and Susie had been traveling back and forth and staying for like five days there. Um, Every time since COVID has happened, the quarantine, she's not been able to See her mom, and since that time, her mom has forgotten who she is. So it's been very difficult on my wife and and um, her her uh, other brothers.
1: It's like grief upon grief.
2: Exactly.
1: And then there are those of us who we've had to shelter in place. I've had to shelter in place, but my work has continued. Mostly, my income has continued. Our ministries faced some really big financial challenges, but God's been gracious. And believers who love this ministry of True Girl and Born to Be Brave have been generous. And so I just said, hey, listen, there are these Brooklyn moms in New York City where our tour bus was supposed to go in the beginning of May, and they're out of work, many of them single moms. And lots of us are just sheltering in place and inconvenienced. And it's not fun. It's not good. It's not comfortable. We're fearful. But it's nothing like the boat these single moms are in. And I am so blessed. I put out a call and I said to the True Girl followers, as well as you were gracious, to ask Center Church to step up. Those of us whose boats aren't so topsy-turvy, could we pull some money together to help five or six of these single moms and their children through the next few months? And wow, wow. What started out as $700 turned into (laughs) $27,000 as people generously stepped up. Center Church provided almost half of that. And those of us who are still in the storm, but our boats aren't turning over, we're able to help some of those who are in the eye of the storm.
2: Well, I actually think that speaks a lot to you, Dana, because as your church, we have seen your ministry. We've seen the power of what you're doing. And we trust you. And we know that when we give, it's going in good hands and you're going to distribute into people that need it. So thanks. So sweet. Thank you so
1: much. I've learned from a good pastor. (laughs) Hey, one of the things I'm hearing as people are telling their stories is they're asking hard questions. Right, They're throwing out their doubts. Where is God? What is he doing? Why would a good God allow this to happen? What should we be doing to cooperate with his work? Is he at work? And as people throw out their doubts and their questions, I'm not afraid of them. I think our church has been really good about not being allergic to questions and doubts. It's often in those things that we find our faith. But one thing that's encouraged Bob and I is that we've been looking back through stories on the Internet and books about how Christians have responded during other times of epic evil.
2: Yeah, there's uh, I mean, not just— uh... Like in our recent history, or three or four hundred years back, but obviously in Scripture there were plagues and and all kinds of disease that um, you know the Christians had had to rise up, rise to the top. And I think about Martin Luther during the during the bubonic plague. Um, one of his articles, I guess you would call it an article that he wrote, whether one should flee from a deadly plague. He said this. I love this quote. I I used it, I think, in my first sermon during the quarantine, but he said, I shall ask God mercifully to protect us. Then I shall fumigate, help purify the air, administer medicine, and take it. I shall avoid places and persons where my presence is not needed in order not to become contaminated and thus perchance inflict and pollute others and so cause their death as a result of my negligence. If God should wish to take me, he will surely find me. And I have done what he has expected of me, and so I am not responsible for either my own death or the death of others. If my neighbor needs me, however, I shall not avoid place or person, but will go freely as stated above. See, this is such a God-fearing faith because it is neither brash nor foolhardy and does not tempt God."
1: It's beautiful. What what he says there is so complex because he's not landing in one easy black and white answer. He's saying, "Hey, the questions we have right now, the answers will be complicated."
2: And it was complicated for he lost his daughter during mm-hmm. the plague. It was complicated for him. It wasn't easy. And we're I think we're struggling with a lot of those similar questions right now.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, so it's it's. It's complicated. And
1: we don't have to be black and white about things. The answer can be different for some people. If some people are continuing to shelter in place and quarantine and be extremely careful, they may have circumstances which require that, that have family members at more risk than maybe my family or your family. And human life has great worth. That's part of our pro-life mentality that we can protect life right now at the same time. The scriptures also teach us to be sacrificial. And if we're called to go into the fray, to go into the war zone, Mm -hmm. which this really is being called wartime efforts, then so many encouraging stories of Christians, physicians, healthcare workers, medical doctors, researchers who've lost their lives in this battle, and they've done it so more people can live. That's beautiful.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We have to really go out of our way to thank our medical community for what they've been doing and putting themselves in in tough situations, and I don't know if I could do it.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the books that I've been turning to is a book I discovered about six months ago. It's by Pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was a pastor in London when the world was on the brink of devastation from World War II. He wrote it in 1953. He was a medical doctor and a minister, and he recognized the imprint war had left on his congregation. The city was rebuilding hearts and homes after suffering widespread damage as a result of the aerial bombings. 30,000 people in London alone had died in those bombings. 50,000 were wounded, now had bodies that were altered and different or were in some state of healing. And they just didn't know how to talk to God in the middle of the rubble. They had the questions. They had the doubts. And this whole book that Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote, that written in 1953, still a treasure in the Christian faith, it contained the secrets of living by faith in evil times. It was written by a man who modeled how to talk to God when life hits hard. And I'm not talking about Martin Lloyd-Jones. It turns out that Habakkuk, that often overlooked prophetic book in the Old Testament, is just the tutor that we need to get our prayers back on track, to talk to God effectively during these difficult times.
2: Yeah, well, Dana, the book of Habakkuk, as you know, is about learning to really believe that God is good and maintains control and sovereignty, even when there's so much evil, and tragedy and hurt all around us. You know, he was when Habakkuk wrote this. Um, you know, the it was like the the prophecy was a tough prophecy. Babylon, who were cruel people, were going to come and destroy the land. Mm-hmm. And this book is often overlooked. I know I've probably only read it a couple times in my my life. It's but it's tended to be studied during times like this, you know. Um, we kind of forget it when we're when we're living in peace and prosperity. But then when tough times come, that's kind of like Habakkuk hits home for us. And especially during these days, right now that we're experiencing, can I read just a, a, a verse or two from Habakkuk sure. chapter one? Absolutely. This is, this is chapter one, verses two and three. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you, violence, and you will not save. Why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you idly look at wrong?
1: Yeah, that sounds just like, the, if, you, if you turn that into modern language, sounds like a lot of the things we've been saying. Lord, how long is this pandemic going to last? Lord, we've been crying out for help. Don't you hear us? Lord, look at the violence that's happening as a yeah. result of all the different opinions about this. Won't well, you save us? Yeah. Why are you idly looking at this? It can feel that way sometimes. Here's the twist in this story. Habakkuk is a book that we need all the time, but we need it particularly right now because it does help us weather evil times. It helps us talk to God during them. And what I'm about to share, this is kind of a mystery, but you're a part of this story, Jonathan, so I wanted okay. you to help tell it today. But I'm, I'm buckling I, up. Uh, buckle up. I just wrote my first Bible study. I have to say I probably never would have wanted to write a Bible study. It wasn't on my radar. My publisher kept saying, write a Bible study, write a Bible study. I said, no, 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 that's not what I write. And then I've been working with you as my coach to be licensed as a women's Bible study leader by our denomination, the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And I think, let's be honest, Jonathan, it's supposed to be, what, a three-year process?
2: Yeah, it's taken a couple... A couple 11, more years. 11 years. 11 years. <laughs> i still not it's, done. I would blame it on my coach.
1: <laughs> have, no, I'm not going to blame my coach. But I have been doing other good things for the Lord during that you, time. You've been, been kind
2: of busy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, but I will get finished. And one of the last things that I needed to do was outline a book of the Bible, thoroughly study one book of the Bible. And I remember, this is what I remember. I came to you, I said, Jonathan, I need to do this Bible study. I don't remember what my proposal was. I had picked a book of the Bible that I was super excited about, and I had all these good reasons. I had marketing research. I was like, this is the book it should be, and I made my defense in a paragraph or two, and I said, what do you think?
2: I remember, I I think I remember you proposing the book of James.
1: Possibly, yeah. Maybe. I think
2: it was, and I'm like, too easy for Dan Oh, no. Is that
1: why? But you looked at me and you said, what else you got? Or something like that. Yeah,
2: something like that, yeah. And I don't know, you like kind of just threw out Habakkuk just maybe under your breath, and I'm like, yes, that's it. Because I started thinking about that book and – I knew, a, I knew a few things about the book. Um, I think at the end it talks about the olives not growing and all that, but still I will praise you, yeah. you know, even in those hard times. And I, I, as a young Christian, I read the uh, uh, Hannah Hunter's book, Heinz Feet on High Places, and I know that scripture is from um, Habakkuk. But, like, I just thought, you know, if anybody can mine gold out of something that, doesn't look like you can. Uh rush can do it.
1: Well, you know, I decided to be a good student, a good player for my coach. I thought, sure, Habakkuk. I don't know much about it. I'll try it out. And honestly, you had you said, Why did you say that? I said, I don't even know. Like it just <laughs> popped out of yeah. me. Um, my mom has prayed one specific scripture from Habakkuk over me my whole life. And so I'm assuming that somehow in the back of my mind that was there, and I kind of at this point think maybe the Holy Spirit just pushed it out of my mouth.
2: Yeah. What was that scripture?
1: Um, Habakkuk one five. Okay. Which which is my mom learned it I think in the Living Translation, which was something like, "Watch and be amazed." Oh yeah. Or look and be amazed. You're gonna I'm gonna do things you couldn't believe, even if I told you. And that's good news and it's bad news, as I began to study Habakkuk. Right.
2: you think, oh, that's happy news. Yeah. We
1: we kind of misuse that verse. Yeah. We like throw it on Pinterest as if... It's so oh, strange
2: for Christians to misuse verses. Oh, they don't. They hardly yeah, ever do that. Yeah. Why would they? Yeah, I don't know.
1: <laughs> but basically, um, Habakkuk says, don't you see? Aren't you hearing? Aren't you doing anything? How long, O oh Lord? And he says... Oh, well, watch and see. I'm going to do something amazing. And what it is is what you just said is that this bad army is going to come up against them. Mm. It's like, oh, it's going to get worse. Yeah. If I told you how bad it was going to be, Habakkuk, you wouldn't believe it. You'd be amazed that it could be that bad. Yet when you get to the end of the book, this man who could be living in fear— because everything around him, political opinions, sin, rampant sexual sin, children being murdered, war coming against them. And he knows it's going to impact the people he knows and loves. And so he's looking at the figs on the tree and the olives on the branches. Right. And knowing that famine will probably come as a result of all of this. And does he sit at the end of the book still saying, why, Lord, why? No. These are the verses you just referenced, Habakkuk 3.17. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. It's a song. It's a worship song.
2: It is. The first the first two chapters are a blues song.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and what is this one? <laughs>
2: and the third is a worship song. It's a praise contemporary song. Christians. That's right. That's right.
1: Yeah. And so he goes from fear to faith, which is something that many of us need to do right now. And Habakkuk, his book embodies these six practices or habits of living by faith that helps you rise above the fear and live in the faith. Now, here's what happened. Even as I was writing the Bible study, falling in love with Habakkuk, feel like we had become good friends, and I was so excited about it, I would tell people, I just wrote a book, a Bible study on Habakkuk. It's about how to talk to God during evil times. It helps you build faith in times of fear. People looked at me with this glazed-over look like, yeah, who's going to want to study that? <laughs> <laughs> because honestly, six months ago, we were in prosperity. Right. The olive... Trees were full of fruit. The branches were full of prosperity and good stuff. And I looked at the Lord and I said, God, I love this book, but who's going to want to study it? Like, are we going to sell like 50 of these? (laughs) And then COVID-19 hit. And
2: let's face it, your mom's going to buy 25 of those. My mom's going to buy, right?
1: (laughs) Exactly. Um, But then the coronavirus hit. And as I finished the last day of writing, listen to what I wrote on the last day. Of writing this Bible study, which was January 2020. As I finished up the first draft of this book, China had quarantined 40 million residents as experts predict that if not contained, the coronavirus could kill 65 million people. On the last day of editing, what had become COVID-19 had infected a confirmed 1.4 million and the death toll had just passed 81,000 globally. That last sentence I added at the edits also, there were Australian mm. wildfires impacting the globe. There was a rocket hitting the US Embassy compound in Iraq, which is the site of Babylon so many years ago. Crazy. But Habakkuk, this is what I wrote in January, Habakkuk has girded me with the certainty that I'm gonna be okay. Yeah. Because that verse that my mom prayed over me, watch and be amazed, it's actually interesting. I think it's a double amazing. Yeah. In the in the Hebrew language, it actually says, "Be amazed, amazed." <laughs> and I think it's amazing how bad it can get, and at the same time, so amazing how confident you can be that God is in control. Yeah. If you practice walking by faith.
2: Yeah, and I I think that's such a good point. Talk about amazing! Like there was twice. In the scriptures when jesus was amazed he was amazed at their lack of faith in another place he was amazed at their faith so double amazing Mm
1: -hmm. yeah that's beautiful and in a few weeks i'm going to be joined by hundreds of women who i think are probably amazed at how bad it is and i believe at the end of six weeks of a summer night's bible study we're going to be amazed at how good god can be in the middle of the bad And I hope if you're listening, you'll join me for one of my online Bible studies. You might be in time for the summer study, but we're always doing a Bible study. Check out MyTrueGirl.com online Bible studies to see what's coming up.
2: You know, right now, um, it's easy to be discouraged, and Habakkuk probably was discouraged, but the story wasn't over yet. He was in the middle of the story and didn't see the end. And as believers, we know the end of the story and and we probably each have specific stories that we don't know the end to right now but God intends it for good and there'll be a good result even when we're going through hard things even if in the future we're going to have to go through really 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 hard things you know he has overcome the world um and so i'm i'm excited i'm excited about this new study i got to be honest i'm excited Dana
1: Thanks, Jonathan. You're always such an encourager. I want to read a little piece from the new Bible study. It's called Habakkuk, Remembering God's Faithfulness When He Seems Silent. People say that God is never late. I say he sure seems slow sometimes. Why doesn't he answer your prayers to bring you someone to share your life with or someplace to call home? The medical breakthrough that could bring you a new lease on life or the help you need when you've been biting off more than you can chew. When is he going to show up with the answer you need or the money you owe or to fix what's wrong in the church or avenge the one who wronged you and your family? Where is he when your daughter's fighting cancer or you're fumbling your career? When you're at the end of your rope or the beginning of a terrifying storm? Sometimes God seems so unbelievably silent. This seems especially true in the storms of our life. Are you in a storm of some kind? I'm here to help you not to forget to remember. We tend to do that in times of downpour. The disciples did. One day Jesus got into a boat with them and he wanted to go to the other side of the lake. Then he fell asleep. That's when the windstorm came down on them. It must have been a whopper because the boat began to take on water. What started out as a merry version of Row, Row, Row Your Boat turned into the theme song for Titanic. And Jesus slept right through it. Feel familiar? The seasoned fishermen shook. You better believe they woke the weary teacher up. Jesus, we're dying. Don't you care? He did care. And he told the wind and the raging waves so. Then he turned his attention back to the guys in the boat he had something to say to them too. There in the calm of yet another miracle, he asks them, where is your faith? Not the most comforting thing to say to a few grown men who'd probably just lost their lunch about the time they lost their cool. But Jesus doesn't stroke their egos as we are prone to do. Instead, he cuts to the chase, essentially asking, did you forget who I am? Did you forget who is with you? They had in fact forgotten. They had forgotten who was with them. In spite of all the amazing things they'd been witness to, the men cowered when a storm brewed. Can you identify? If so, Habakkuk is just the tutor we both need. Oh, at the beginning of this three-chapter book, he doesn't seem to be. In fact, he's dreadfully afraid of the future and seems to be the poster child for doubt, fear, and questioning God. He has a big case of spiritual amnesia. But by the end of the book, his memory kicks in and he becomes a shining example of how the righteous live by faith. And so much of faith has to do with remembering. Oh, if only God offered us immediate results for our prayer requests and did not make us dust off our patience, dig up some steadfast staying power, and muster up our joy. But he often takes us through monsoon seasons that require those very things of us And often, when we come out the other side, we see that God has used it to help us remember our faith. When Jesus stilled the wind and the raging waters that day on the lake for the fearful fishermen, he used it to invite them to remember what they'd lost for a moment. Luke records that the Savior asked them, where is your faith? He didn't ask, don't you have any faith? He knew they had it. And I imagine him asking them this in the same tone he might have asked them, well, where are your raincoats? Don't you think that would have been helpful in this situation? This is just the prompting they needed to remember. They turned to one another and said, who is this? Even the winds and the water obey him. The question is not answered, but one is implied. God is with us. Whatever wind and water you're facing in your storm, I assure you this, God is with you, even if you've forgotten to remember that.
0: Learn to practice the six habits of the faithful by studying the book of Habakkuk in depth with Dana Gresh. Her Bible study is available for individual and group participation, and Dana is often leading a group of women through a Bible study online. Find out more about it at DanaGresh.com. This conversation was taped and produced in the studios at Pure Freedom Ministries.